a real legend in Missouri music, DJP, DaleWileyShow.com. DJP, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Okay. Well, so anyway, I have so many questions for you. How did you first get interested in music? Um, my interest in music came from um just just as a child listening to the to the radio, and then my family uh, had records, you know, and then uh, I just got really intrigued with it, and uh, I had a passion for it. So that's that's pretty much how it all started. Yeah. So what were the things you liked? Well, I mean, I loved uh I just loved the way music made me feel, really. Um I just there were certain types of music that moved me in certain ways and and other music that moved me a different way, you know, and I just it was my go-to. Uh it ended up being my go-to um, you know, as a child. Um so I would spend my money on on records. Uh-huh. You know, we go to Walmart. That's back when, you know, this is we're talking like, you know, early '80s, right? You know, late '70s, early '80s, and I would yeah. spend my money on like forty-fives and right. uh, and just anywhere, you know, I could find records. Yeah. Well, so, but I mean, was it rock? Was it rap? I mean, what was it? Yeah, when I when I you know I my first love of music came when I was in a um, a Ben Franklin I don't know if you remember those that were dime stores what we call and you know yeah and my my parents you know I, I was with my mother and she uh I, you know I wanted to pick out a pack of gum and she said sure go get you a pack of gum well I go over and I see these these cards with these guys faces on there and their, yes. their faces are painted. And I'm going, whoa, like it totally just grabbed me and sucked me in. <laughs> I didn't know what they were. I didn't know that that they were affiliated with music. I didn't know anything right. about that. So yeah. I I picked these cards up and I take them to my mother and she's like, no, absolutely not. Go get something else. Well, as soon as she did that, I knew right then and there I had to have these cards. Yeah. Because these dudes were cool looking, but yet my mother's saying they're bad. Yeah, <laughs> I have to have these. And of course, you know who I'm talking about. We're talking I about do. Kiss. I sure do. So yes. Kiss became my favorite rock band as a kid, and that right. that's really how it started. It was it was from listening to Kiss, and then you know I was hearing the radio too. Rock 99 was the was the yeah. station at the time, and yeah. it was cool because and and even back then, if you remember, you know you could hear from you would hear music from the Thompson Twins to ACDC. You would hear. Oh, yeah. Tears oh. for Fears. You'd hear, you know, you'd hear all these different artists being played on right. Rock ninety nine. If I remember yeah. right, all that stuff, new wave to, to just heavy metal. So you know, there was a lot more, um, you know, there was way more diversity back then. And but Kiss was my first love of music, and and it came from seeing those bubblegum cards, and then of course, then I got the records. <laughs> finally, I had to sneak to listen to the, you know, the uh, neighbor down the street let me borrow the eight track tape. That oh, I was wow. actually, yeah, I set my dad's truck and listened to it. It was 
20 below zero outside. But that's back <laughs> when you could you could t- you could turn on the eight track, you know, uh, you know, player without having to have the keys. It was directly right. <laughs> hooked to the battery, so I could hide out there shivering listening to the the Destroyer album on on eight uh, track. So, but that's really where it all started. And, uh, you know, we're both talking about this, but this was in the Springfield area then. Is that right? Oh, yeah. It was right here in Springfield. Okay. Because yeah. I just want to make sure that, you know, we're, you know you've gotten so, so big and so wide that I just want to say that we're both Southwest Missouri boys and we're talking about the music that we made in Missouri. And so mm-hmm. tell me about how did you decide to become a DJ? Well... You know, um, moving forward, uh, KISS and ACDC and uh, stuff like that, I was really into that. You know, I was into rock. That was the thing. Well, I went to school at Teft Elementary on the north side of town, and that's predominantly where most of the black kids went to school. You know, they went to Teft. You know, they went to Weller. They uh, And, and of course, I was around those kids. And even those kids, you know, the urban – kids i remember were into kiss they had the kiss shirts all this oh yeah this kiss was so big and so it wasn't a white or black thing and that's the thing about music and that's the beauty you can't put a race on music you really right. can't exactly. well i'm sitting in in uh and i'm and i'm you know they had a talent show and i'm sitting there uh, during this talent show in school in like you know second second grade uh-huh. and these uh these black kids did a routine with the basketball and the music they that they were playing just it totally grabbed me. I was really? like, I don't know what this is, but this is it moved me in a point where I just I had to know what it was. Wow! And was it was it? Michael Jackson's "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough" oh, off of the wow. Wall album. Yes. And they turned that up and they started doing this routine, and that music just totally floored me. I right. go, I don't know what this is, but oh my god, I'm feeling it. Me too. Like, and I didn't, I didn't realize that I had a funky bone in, you know. So, <laughs> but and, as you know, that was at the time where disco. That was more of a disco record. But right. that beat and just the way Quincy Jones had produced that record, of course, you know That's Quincy perfect. Jones. Was, but it just, I was just like floored by this this music, and I had to know what it was. I had to. So one of the kids. That uh, that was uh, you know did it. I, I stopped. I said, "Hey, I said, man, what is that? Uh, what's that that music that you you got right. in a basketball routine?" He's like, yeah. "Oh, it's this guy named Michael Jackson." Uh huh. And he says it's called "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough." And I'm right. like, "Man, I said that is just so cool, man." And I'm this <laughs> here I am. I'm this white kid, you know, that listens to ACDC and right. and Kiss. But there was that. I just felt it. And that began the first era for me getting into hip hop. Right. And I didn't realize it. It's like this, this, you know, because hip hop came right after that. That was when, when we were moving into the early eighties electronic sound. Yeah. And that's when the early eighties electronic breakdancing stuff was coming out and it grabbed me. And that was the end of it. I became a hip hop kid dancing and and spinning on my back and and doing right. all that. So yes. that's how I evolved into that from okay. from rock. But I still love rock. You know, don't yeah. get me wrong. But 
But, you know, and it was right when Kiss was taking their makeup off. If you remember the album Lick It Up came out. I totally remember so that. So totally. it kind of made sense because I was like, yeah, I'm not really into Kiss anymore as much as yeah. you, but I'm really feeling this Michael Jackson. I'm really, you know, Thriller came out. Right. Of course, following the wall. So it was just, it all made sense. And then all the hip-hop stuff that was being, that came out too, yeah. I was just like, wow. I was like, this is just where it's at for me. And I was feeling it, and I was loving it. So, you know, when I grew up on the north side of Springfield, music, and even older adults that were listening to uh, groups like the SOS band oh, and yeah. uh, Loose Ends, see, I was hearing that being played in the neighborhood really loud. Right. That's back yeah. when the music, you could hear it a block away. That's when people yeah. were jamming out barbecues. There. <laughs> so I, that's how I got turned on to all these different styles of music. Yeah. I uh, was from living over there. And, and uh, yeah, and then I became a DJ from that later on. I learned how to mix music. I started practicing turntables. We had a guy in our neighborhood, uh, Juan Alexander, a buddy of mine, um, Howard Adams, also known as Spooky. He had turntables. So it was just uh, an influence of all that combined, and then, and um, then I started buying records and turntables, and then yeah, then that became a career. Yes, it sure has. Yeah. And, well, so let's talk about the uneasy listening. How how did that happen? Uneasy listening. Wow. So moving, yeah, moving forward again. So as a DJ in nightclubs in Springfield and, right. and playing around in the local area. You know, I was I was getting the records that were hot. I was mixing the the uh, the popular hip hop, the popular dance music, but I was uh, there was also an influence of the style of mixing where we would take like instrumentals and we would take uh, acapellas of of things if we could find it on a record, so mm-hmm. like and and blend it with something totally off the wall. So it'd be like, take let me take ACDC, but then let me mix it with you know uh, Run DMC. Right. So, or let me take this, um, you know, uh, just this hip hip hop beat from a record and mix it with um, a journey song, and do it on turntables because we didn't have computers at the time. Yeah. So at the time, uneasy listening was made. Um, that was done with another DJ out of at the time out of Scotts or out of Phoenix, Arizona, Z Trip, and we met at a party. Uh, that we did in Oklahoma city. And we both had that same style where we were throwing wacky, you know, stuff. We were throwing the weirdest, craziest hip hop stuff with, with beats. I was mixing Disneyland songs with hip hop instrumentals. He was throwing like, I remember he did public enemy with uh, Van Halen. And I'm right. sitting here going, Whoa, this guy's doing the kind of stuff that most DJs won't do. You know, the balls to do it, you know? <laughs> right. So we, we got together and uh, I took a week's paid vacation at the time. I was actually living in Oklahoma, living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I took a week's paid vacation from the railroad where I was working. And I went out to his house in uh, Arizona, and we we cut that record in about a week. And it was just obscure, weird. It was just the craziest creative mixes that we had both came up with or came up with on the fly while making the album. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, that's that became uneasy listening. That became the groundbreaking uh, mix that started what they call mashups today. Well, tell um, us about that. Tell me about that. Well, 
Well, basically, you mean how mashups got the whole yeah. mashup thing? Well, that's yeah. it. That that was the album that that made that popular. That's the right. album that made other DJs from over overseas, even here, go. Wait a minute, what is this? Let's try this. And then someone came up with the name called mashups. When really, it's just it's called blending. You know, we yeah, we just it, we never there was no name. The the whole mashup that was just a. A, a bullshit word someone made up for it. <laughs> Just like you know, like breakdancing. To be honest yeah. with you, the, that term that's not even the proper terminology. Breakdancing yeah. was made up by people in the industry that wanted to popular make it popular, or you know. So, but same with mashups. Mashups. What what is a mashup? Oh, you mean blending records together? Okay. Right. So, but then for me, I think the mashup term really fit more to the the whole. Um, digital side of it so you had djs that they didn't or or people making these so-called quote-unquote blends but they're called mashups but they weren't doing it on turntables like we were they were sitting at a computer and making just like they do today they make these these mashups using a computer when we were using actual vinyl records we had to find records that you know that would go with other records and do it on turntables so that was the big difference you know so that's what sets uneasy listening even to this day apart from all the other, you know, quote unquote mashups that you hear on computers. Yes, because I mean obviously that is has become very a very valuable title. But tell me about the, the rebates that you did for the twentieth anniversary. Um which which one? I'm sorry. Um the the B Boy rebates that you did. Oh, B Boy Massacre? Yes. Or no no what was it? The Ryan Soul Ryan B Boy or whatever it was called. That's the Uneasy Listening album. Yes. Yeah. But that was your version of that, right? Well, if you're talking about the repress on vinyl that just came yes. out uh, with the waffle, yes. yeah. It's the same album. It's it's right. the same mixes. There's nothing different on it audio wise. I just did my own variant of the record. It it'd been you know, it'd been uh, 20 years, and I said, you know yeah. what, I'm going to put this back out since uh-huh. I don't, I don't have any involvement with Z Trip anymore, and we don't talk right. or anything like that. So, but that album is as much mine as it is his. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to put my own variant out. Yes. And um, I did the Waffle House skit that's on there, and the whole, and that became popular. So that's my, you know, that was my uh, my Take- version of the record being yeah. repressed, and right. I had it remastered so it sounds louder, a little bit cleaner than the original. You know, but, um, at the yeah, time, that was totally CD, and now the whole world has changed back to vinyl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, when we put that out, yeah, we did a run of them on, uh, a run of them on CD first. Uh, right. They, it was released on CD, and it was a hot item, you know, and that was right around the time. That was still before digital downloads were, you know, yes. before Napster, all that. So in order to get that, right. you had to have the CD. And I remember seeing one of those sell for like a thousand bucks on eBay at one point. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of, kind of, uh, kind of crazy. And then, um, and then we ended up pressing it to vinyl. Um, in, uh, I forgot what year it was. It was probably in 2004, I believe we pressed it to vinyl. Right. When we did the actual sold out shows, we did two sold out shows of the album in San Francisco and in LA. Right. And we had the records pressed for that. And that was the first run on vinyl ever, which is a clear, 
colored vinyl with the original cover. And right. then, of course, the the ver the um, the 2019 one that I did, of course, was the uh, Waffle House edition, which is new. Yes. And that was just my own release of it. Right. And yeah. so, what what are the big people that you hung out with in Springfield that? I'm sorry. You, I'm sorry. Repeat that. You got away from me. Okay. Um, who there were the are. big people that influenced you about your music in Springfield? Wow. Um, the people that really influenced me, as far as um, the style of music that I. Well, I mean, if when you go back, uh, my family at the time, no one really was into music in my family. I don't come from a music family. Uh, my cousin had some tur- had a turntable or a record player, and I would go down and listen to music that she had, and that was back like in the early, you know, back going back to the rock days before I was right. introduced to hip hop or funk and uh-huh. soul. So really, the radio was all I had, and then other kids that I went to school with, um, and then as far as the hip hop and and DJing side of it would be Juan Alexander. He was the biggest influence for a lot of us DJs in town. And when it comes to mixing and, and stuff like that, right. uh, he was the guy that everyone talked about. He had the music, he was putting out the mixed tapes. Um, and, and, you know, that he was the biggest influence for all of us DJs, hands right. down. And then, like I said, I've got a buddy of mine, uh, uh, Howard Adams, spooky. He was, uh, he was actually in the paper back in the day for my, he looked like Michael Jackson. He loved Michael Jackson. <laughs> and yeah, they put him in the paper for being the Michael Jackson lookalike of Springfield, which he was. He also had his brother and his uncle were the pop along kids, which they were the ones that uh, really made, uh, made people open their eyes to break dancing uh, as, right. as they call it, you know, <laughs> breaking or b-boying would be the proper terminology, but they were, right. they were the ones that had the, the biggest name in town that is as far as being having notoriety with that and uh but howard yeah spooky my buddy howard adams he uh he had turntables in his house and see i was i was younger than juan alexander i didn't really know him so one of my biggest influences as far as messing with turntables you know i went to his house and i got to play around a little bit down there and uh and then of course juan came over at one point, I remember while I was there, and they were playing around with this effects box, which was a little realistic effects box at the time. Right. It was a big deal. <laughs> but, yeah, so those influences came from there. And then just, I mean, really, I just kept checking. You know, movies was a big influence. You know, Beach Street was a movie oh, that right. I was influenced by. Breaking, yeah. the first Breaking movie. Um, it, it was just, you know, just being around other kids um, that were into the same thing, and that was hot right then, you know. More from DJP after a break. DaleYShow.com Do you love music? Do you know about the musical map of Missouri? Dallas Wayne, Chuck Berry, Dave Alvin, Robbie Folks, The Skeletons, The Ozark Mountain Daredevils, Uncle Tupelo, Wayne Carson, Nellie, Lou Whitney, Symptoms Morales, City, Jeff City, St. Louis, St. Joe, Columbia, Buckle of the Bible Belt, the Studio on South Avenue in Springfield, 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 Missouri. Add the Missouri Music Podcast to your list of favorites. 
Lawyer, author, and Slewfoot Records label owner Dale Wiley takes you on a musical trip around Missouri while raising funds for Musical Map of Missouri, a nonprofit organization which will help ensure Missouri musicians affected by COVID-19. Visit MissouriMusicPodcast.com for more information. Tune in to the Missouri Music Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Back with DJP, DaleWileyShow.com. So, but yeah, that that would be a lot of where that influence came from. And now, what do you do with your time? How much is Springfield and how much is Las Vegas and other places? Uh, well, a lot of my time now is just I, I'm producing more now. So, okay. right, I'm, I'm in Springfield. I, I sold my house in Vegas and got out of there. Um, I've had enough of that place, man. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people complain about living in Springfield. I'm going to tell you right now, the grass is always greener on the other side because yeah. I've lived in other places, you know, and, you know, I like being close to family. Right. Um, right now it makes sense for me to be here and I can always leave. I, I make money in my, on my website. I sell a lot of my, my music and downloads and, and vinyl off my website. Right. And then I produced, I just, uh, I started a little small independent label called Hood Strong Entertainment. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah, we just produced an album called the uh, the Butterfly, and uh, it's by a, a local artist named Between B T W E E N. He's a rapper. He's a he's a he's an MC, and we spent about eight months uh, producing that, and we finished it last year. But the vinyl is being pressed now, and it'll be out this year. Um, probably by the end of December, we'll have the vinyl. I've got the tapes already, the cassettes, they sell online. And then the download, we got the download for free. We get, you know, people want to download the album for free. They can, because he's, you know, he's an unknown artist that we're trying to get out there. So, but yeah, that's, that's really it. Uh, Nate White is another guy here in town. That's a really good musician. His album is being done right now and it's coming out on the label. Yeah, and then we're just working on new stuff right now. We're always, uh, you know, the cool thing about our labels, we're not, we're not desperate. We're not, we're not going to produce anything we don't want to produce. You know right. what I mean? So if we hear something we want to do, then we'll do it. If we're not into what you're doing, we just, we just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and we, we like more of the older classic boom bap sounds, the laid back stuff. Not really into modern day rap. You know, I'm not a real big fan of modern day rap. It all right. sounds the same, and it's just. It doesn't move me. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole reason I got into music and DJing is because music, I felt it. You know, I felt it yeah. in my heart. I felt it in my soul. Right. And a lot of the newer sounds, you know, it's just it's just not what we're into. You know, we're not into this for to get rich. We're not trying to make a bunch of money. We just do it because we love it. And that's right. the whole reason. That's the way I've always been with my music as a DJ. And the music, I mean, the money just happened to come, which is great. You know, I was able to do something for a living. <laughs> without having to really, you know, try to make, if you're trying to make money, then you're just not going to, you're going to, you're going to fail at what you do. And I really believe it's just following your heart and doing what you really feel. And I felt music. I felt dancing. I felt, you know, uh, I love records. I like to own vinyl, certain vinyl records, you know, not everything. (laughs) There's such thing, such a thing as having too many records. I learned that, (laughs) but but really, that's what's going on now. I, I, I make a lot of, I make most of my, my living right here just uh, from the internet. I had a company pay me to do a 45 minute uh, uh, set 
that they wanted uh, a video they wanted a video of and they just streamed it themselves they paid me quite a bit of money to do that so i didn't even have to leave the house to do that so wow. so yeah that's 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 pretty much what i'm doing right now it's just kind of laying low and and just doing what i love to do and i don't really have to leave well tell me between what is he about between is uh his name's josh ballard and he was he went to school over at MSU. He was a college student. He graduated last year, and while he was going to school, uh, someone had pointed out to me that they were having a uh, uh, some people up, you know, on Commercial Street at Limburg's doing a hip hop night, and I went right. and checked it out because I knew I was into hip hop. And I heard sure. this kid up there. I, I heard him, and uh, I was real impressed with him. I said, "Man, this dude is he's good," you know, and. Uh, I told my buddy Brian, who's a that I grew up with, we used to dance back in the day, and Brian's a producer, music producer here in town on my label too. And we checked him out, and um, he came over to the house, and we just started. He just started writing lyrics, and we started making music and and uh, producing the beats. And uh, and uh, about eight months later, I, we had something that I felt was really, I felt it. You know, and I was like, man, I don't know about you guys, I think this is the best thing we've ever done. You know, and we've dabbled with other artists and groups in town throughout the years. And I'm talking like yeah. over a decade right. of, of working with music. And um, so, yeah, it just – he just came over, and, and he was real easy to work with. And he loved – he loves – he's not so much into the modern sound, so we were able to make a soulful record. Right. And there's a few things on there that sound modern, but it's not like corny rap, as I would call it now, like you hear <laughs> – so, but yeah, I'll, I'll have to get you. Yeah, if you if you uh, go on my website, which is yeah. djpmix.com, you can download right. that album for free. It's called That's The Butterfly. And uh, yeah. yep. So you've got we've got Tech Nine and Casey, and we've got Nelly in St. Louis. So tell us, you know, what what are some other Springfield people that they need to know? Any other locals that they need to know? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't realize in Springfield, and, and, you know, I will say I don't think Springfield's a very big hotbed for music. I just don't. I don't think that bands are supported here. I don't think, you know, and there's a lot of talent here. There's a a whole lot of talent. I mean, yeah, I'm a DJ. I was a drummer for years, um, and I can play drums. But, you know, as far as my talent as a DJ it's you really have to leave Springfield in order to make things happen. And right. I love my hometown. I love the people in it that I grew up with and, and other people that are trying to do what they do. Right. But no one's going to scoop you up in Springfield and go, Hey, we want to <laughs> sign you. You've, you've got to get out unless you know somebody. And and I've met a lot of people and I, I do know a lot of people, but if I'm not feeling your music, I'm not going to get involved with you. That's just, the, right. that's just me being real. Yeah, um, because you know, it's just the way it is. I don't, you know, but as far as local artists, you know, um, I think there's been a lot of really uh, cool things come out of here, and uh-huh. and there's uh, the Karel- the Karelians label. Oh yeah, Prince Marlon Wallace. So there's there's. Uh, I I don't care about really anything they ever did. I'm going to be honest with you, except for one record. Okay. And it's uh, I'm not going to say what it is. <laughs> okay. But let's just say let's just say they made a record that was completely and totally bizarre. Yeah. And it's and it's well wanted. 
It, it is a well wanted record, okay. and it's a forty. It's a forty five, and and I've met them, and I've bought a couple, a few copies of those. Yes, and uh, yes. you know, but a lot of people don't realize that this record is well wanted all over the world. Yes. You've got another record that was produced by a group called the Kansas City Express. Okay. And that was done on American Artists, if you're familiar with that label. I'm not. That's right out of Springfield, Missouri. It's a Springfield label. It's called American Artists. Okay. Yeah. And that, uh, I'll tell you what that one is. It's called This Is The Place. That's an R&B record by, have you ever heard of the family with the last name Bedell? Yeah. Okay, Tommy Bedell, Larry Bedell, Danny Adams, Burt Coke, uh, uh, Rod Thomas, uh, Ernie uh, Ernie Sr., Larry Bedell, Joe Bedell. Right. They made a record back then called This Is The Place under Kansas City Express. What a lot of people don't realize is that record's won it all over the world, and it's a funk and soul album, and it's it's not an album, but it's a 45, just a small right. 45. But see, people in Springfield don't even realize what what has come out of here. And that yes. is a big deal. That they record, really, and I'm just going to tell you, if you find a clean copy of that, it's worth a thousand dollars. Right. I mean, it's 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 a very uh, hard record to find, but it's because it's an R&B record, and there was only so many of those made, and that's a hot thing. That's in the mar- the marketplace. People want those funk and soul records that are rare. Yes. Very rare. I totally get that. And and that's what makes the Carillion's record such a big deal because it's what they don't realize what they did. And I explained it to them. They made a funk and soul record with a guy singing country over it, talking about right. Satan. And when you, <laughs> when you put those three things together, you've yeah. made something. And the fact that it was produced in the seventies. Yes. That's what people are after. They're that weird funk sound. Right. But then you got some country dude singing country over it and then mentioning <laughs> Satan. That's the record that did it did it for, for the Carillions. Yes. And they asked me, what is it with this record and not all the others? No offense, all that twangy country, that's nobody wants that unless it's like the country yeah. dude. I mean, let's yeah. face it, we're in Springfield, Missouri. That's the hot music around here. Right. I get so tired of digging through records because every time I go through Lawrence Welk, I'm going through all these country records, Charlie Pride. <laughs> I don't want that crap. <laughs> no offense, I want funk and soul and jazz and Sure, and, you know, uh, you know, psychedelic rock and and right. hip hop and, but, yeah, that's that's what makes those records what they are, you know. Yeah. And people want those records, and those yeah. artists are right out of Springfield. And that Carillion's label, as you may know, is still up. I mean, you can you can drive over there and see the building, and it says Carillion's music on it. Real, it's big. really a strange deal, and that is yeah, that's like you know, I've always been. You know, I knew Lou Whitney well, and certainly those records came out of there, and he had a big influence on that stuff, too. So I totally know how that stuff is. But it is very unique and quite strange. Yeah, yeah, it it is a very strange story, and I've I've heard several stories about it. I won't, of course, get into all that because I don't know what to believe, but... (laughs) <laughs> the story of it, though, is a very – you are. It's very bizarre. Um, yes. And I met Marlon Wallace. You know, yes. I know he's, he's up there in age now, but he seems like a real oh, nice yeah. guy. And right. I believe is the guy that was with him is – and I could be wrong. I think his name was Dwayne Dudley. Dudley. The guy that – Dudley, Dudley, yeah, is that right? Yeah. Very nice people. And right. uh, 
and I was really intrigued, and I, I went over there one day, and they just happened to be there because it's, it's hard to get to the place. They've got a fence around the yeah. whole thing, mm-hmm. and I know there's a story behind all of that too. But, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as you may know. But, you know, exactly. I think it's really cool and awesome that that they did what they did when they made yes. that 45. And, and right. just the fact they've got a label that's still up and, and they're still whatever they're doing now. I don't think they're putting anything out new, but they're at least they're they're owning the name still. Right. Um, American artists, of course, I would like to be able to find that guy and see if he's got any more of those 45s from Kansas City <laughs> Express, but I doubt he does. <laughs> right. You know, but – um uh, yeah, uh, and it you know not just with music, but I, I I know of other artists right here in Springfield that have done a lot of big things, right? And like with special effects in movies, big movies, yeah. movies that you know I've got a buddy of mine that lives here, Mike Strain. He's uh-huh. worked on a lot of big stuff doing special effects oh, yeah. in movies, uh, you know. And then uh, there's a buddy of mine that I use uh, to do all my uh, speaking of the Bedells, Gary Bedell Jr. He's uh, a really amazing artist, and he does all my uh, album covers. He's worked with DC Comics. He's done a bunch of big stuff, you know. Wow. And you don't hear about this stuff. They don't cover exactly. this kind of thing in Springfield, you know. And exactly. I, I think it's just because they're just they don't know how to cover something like that. They you know? really never have, you know. All the way back to when we we did Slewfit in the two thousands, it's like you kind of. We did things, big things in every town except Springfield. It was totally big in Kansas City and St. Louis, but not a drop in, in Springfield. Yeah, yeah. I've I heard there was uh, some younger people. Uh, somebody had mentioned that there was a girl that was going to school here that was in a major horror film. I forgot the name of it, but uh-huh. you know, you did, but you didn't hear anything about it. You know <laughs> now. I was on a I was on a reality TV show back in 2011 and 2012. Okay. For DJing, it was called Master the Mix. It was on BET, and that was season two, and that got a little bit of notoriety. You know, they they covered it and stuff, but it right. was more of a big deal when they found out I was on the show than it was when I actually won the show. <laughs> like, which I'm not. You know, I'm not butthurt over that. I'm not. I'm not trying to get, you know, a bunch of notoriety in Springfield for what well, I did, but it's like you'd think that they would have covered that more and been more on top of it, you know, and I know it came out in the paper. There was a little small clip that said local DJ takes home prize, you know, but, yeah, it's just I don't – you know what it, you know what it is that, 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 you know, and I'm from Springfield and I can say this, right. and <laughs> Lou Whitney said this. You know Lou Whitney, God oh, rest his soul. Lou course you do lou whitney god rest his soul you know he told me one time we were sitting in the studio and i was talking about how things could why things can't just be better and why people don't want to do things better in springfield in certain when it comes to music or or just doing it better and he said danny i'm going to tell you something he says do you know what the motto is for springfield and i said no and he goes just good enough okay (laughs) and i went well there you have it. You know, if it's just good enough, why make it better? You know, and I, right. I never forgot him saying that. And you know, I as much as I, I, you know, as much as I have to say that's that's true, I still love my hometown, and I just wish that people would open their eyes a little bit more to the culture that we that we need. Created, yeah. There's no, there's, and I, you know, we're we don't we lack culture is what it is. Springfield, we lack culture in music and <laughs> art. I'll say it. I, I will. And I love my hometown. I'm from here, but 
you know, from from being into the art that I'm into and living in bigger cities and going out and meeting people and seeing how people act when they're in clubs or where, just you know, we just lack that, and um, it's what it is. You know, I I don't hate Springfield. I love it. It's my hometown. It's where I was raised and born. But I will say sure. we lack culture. We lack yes. it. And there's a lot a lot of artists besides myself, besides the people I've mentioned, that are not getting notoriety for what they do and how good they are, whether they're singers, oh, musicians, talk drummers. Talk I mean, we've got some great drummers. We've got great music. We've got just anything. There's a lot of that going on. Um, you know, even like I said, people that were acting in movies and got actually went and did roles. Oh yeah. You know, and then and then myself being on a reality show or whatever. Right. It just, but you don't really hear about it. You don't, you know, they don't touch. You know, the media, <laughs> whatever, uh, the, the the news. You don't hear about it enough. There, you don't uh, you don't see it mentioned as much as I believe it should be. Well, you know, um, I have to say that like. I've got. I'll have a little. I'll have a little. A little honesty here for you, and that is, I had learned about the Morels from outside, from from St. Louis. Had no idea they were from here, you know. Yeah. And they're clearly from here, and that's how I learned about them. And you know, that is just a crime that it was not in my music loving, you know, world that I didn't know anything about that. Never mm-hmm. didn't know about that until that time. Yeah. Yeah, really and I didn't strange. know much about the Morels either. I used to see as a kid digging for records. I used to come across that record all the time in flea markets. Right, and I even bought it just because I thought it was cool. Oh, that's yeah. cool. That's Reds, you know. That's a, <laughs> you know, that's a hamburger place over on Chestnut. Yeah. I'm going to buy that. You know, and then <laughs> later on in life, I le- I found out what that was. It was Lou Whitney. Right. It was, you know. But you know what it is too. People have to care about something. If you really yeah. think about it, it's 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 not even the lack of culture. It's the it's the lack of caring. Do people you know? Do people even care? What are they into? Right. You know, is music your thing, or doing drugs, <laughs> or getting <laughs> drunk, or or maybe painting a picture? You know, I don't know. Like, is, what is your thing, and what makes people intrigued to really even care to check it out? You right. know, maybe some people don't give a damn about DJing. They don't, you know, or maybe there's a minority, a minority which I know there is that do care. You know, sure. Um, you know, so it's, it's really, a, 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 I think a matter of if people really do they, what are they into? Do they even care to be in, you know, are they even intrigued by what they're hearing or seeing, right. you know, but I don't know. That's my opinion, I guess. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> you know, I think um, certainly with the, you know, the movie that Dave Hoekstra made about Springfield and it's really hard to see how much. It's been to get get the people in Springfield even interested. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's it's not uh, it's not a, a hotbed for music whatsoever. <laughs> but but I I love music and I, I'm telling you I've my dream you know all, all I ever wanted when I was growing up was I wanted to make people dance and I wanted to dance. Yeah, I want to dance and I want to make people dance. I want to mix these records smooth as I can on these turntables and play the right stuff and do this, you know, and make it funky. I want to take Def Leppard and throw this hip-hop beat under and blow people's minds. And at the time, it it did blow their minds. But now, in 2020, you can hear that all the time. You can hear mashups. Computer has made it to where anybody and everybody pretty much can just learn to put beats under songs and 
it's you know it's right. been thought of and it's been done at this point yeah. but i still do it because i love it you know i just came out with a new mix called uh any way you want it which is actually being pressed to vinyl too right. soon and it's a it's an 80s mix with you know hip-hop beats underneath it and it was something i did during the whole pandemic and a guy had hired me to do it out of uh, uh europe uh-huh. over in england he was over in england and he was a fan of mine i found out and he hit me up and he says hey you know, and of course I was out of work at the time. The clubs had all closed. All my gigs had canceled, and right. he wanted to pay me a thousand bucks to do this mix. Wow! And uh, I said, well, I, you know, normally I don't do that because when I make a mix, I want to take my time with it, and I, it's something that I'm wanting to really do and put out. Sure. And this particular time, it, it made sense because I had already started a mix I was ten minutes into, and it can right. take a long time to come up with ten minutes. You know, yeah. when you're thinking of how to put it together and how to structure it. And right. I thought, well, you know what? I'll just, he said, do whatever you want to do. I love what you do. And I thought, I'll just finish this mix. I'll just start from the 10 minutes. And it took me a solid, he needed it done pretty quick, though, because we wanted to put it out for the pan, you know, to give to people while they're home right. and, uh, and just cooped up in their houses. So that took me about two weeks to finish it. But it was every day, all day, nonstop of me just, my phone off, you know, focusing, trying to figure out what to put with what. Uh-huh. And uh, and it came out it came out good and I I thought you know what I'm going to press this I'm going to put it on a record but it's it's uh, also available right now I think it's ten bucks on my website to to get digitally on djpmix.com you can download it there but the vinyl will be out probably I would say the vinyl will hit sometime um, in January or February of next year well that's the pressing plants fun. are just so backed up. <laughs> and I thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, it was uh, good to uh, good to meet you and uh, and everything. I'm I'm glad that Nick connected us and yes, and definitely. everything. So, yeah, well, you've got my number and let's do it again sometime. Let's do it again. DaleWileyShow.com.